Hey guys, and welcome back to the Creative Influencer Podcast, where we chat about living as the most epic version of yourself, being an entrepreneur, personal development goals, mom hustle, and starting a new life over as a single boss babe. Life is way too short, guys, to sweat the small stuff, and living your life as the most intentional and exceptional version of yourself is the only way to achieve your dreams. I'm your girl, Amanda, an entrepreneur and goal-obsessed hustler in personal development, business, and fitness. So if that is your vibe too, then we are going to be besties. I freaking love sharing my goals, my new ideas, business successes to help you achieve the goals that you want as a high achiever. My growth is the reason I started this podcast because, hey, I'm just like anyone else out there. And sometimes I didn't believe enough in what I could truly accomplish in my life. So let's dive in to this episode, grab some notepads, some pens, and your heart and your mind to fill with some really good stuff. Okay guys, so before we get started into another episode, I wanted to share with you my new and exciting news about the latest and greatest. Courses have officially launched and they're so freaking good. They're filled with great content and value and I cannot wait to see you there in class. The RB High Achiever course has been on my heart for so long and I'm so beyond happy to be able to deliver this course for everyone. So make sure to head over to the website rbfurnitureshop.com forward slash courses or check out my link in this podcast for all the details. Guys, you are not going to want to miss this, so get your seats, get some early reservations in, and we cannot wait to see you up there in class. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 94, Raising Good Humans and How I Encourage My Kids to Become the Best Version of Themselves. If you are a parent, you have some kids, you definitely want to tune into this episode. I have a couple of sports junkie kids that live in my house, and they definitely mimic a lot of the stuff that comes from their mom. So I'm going to break down the top eight things that I recommend as a parent, especially when it comes to, you know, teaching or encouraging our kids how to become the best version of themselves. How do we break this down in kid talk? Let's get into it. I hope you guys love this episode. Hey guys, and welcome to the Creative Influencer Podcast, where today we're talking about mom life. I'm not going to lie, but I am a girl, single mom of three. It's a journey. It is, honestly, some days it takes a village. So a little backdrop about me. I am Amanda, and I am an entrepreneur. I'm a business mom. I am a mom of three incredible humans. The three humans that I am currently raising, I'm doing that with my ex and we are living in different towns so far away from one another. Sometimes really, really, really difficult to do because it means that our kids are apart. So that is a little bit of a challenge for me personally right now as mom. trying to work through that. And the reason why we're doing that is because one of my kids, um, is a sports kid and he actually has to live out of town at the moment 
meaning that he is away from home, home being Muskoka. So that's been a little crazy for me to try to navigate through, especially emotionally as a mom. And I'm just kind of working it out as it comes along and goes and all that stuff. So when I talk a lot about these things, it's definitely like parenting from a phone. It's parenting from FaceTime calls. It's parenting because, um, you know, I have to run back and forth a lot from Toronto to Muskoka because, um, that's just what my life is doing right now. Now that said, I have always been so intrigued about parenthood. I feel that I was raised very differently than what my kids are being raised. So a little backdrop about me growing up, I was raised in a different country. Actually, I was raised and I grew up in Scotland. I grew up on the Northeast coast of Scotland in a tiny little fishing village. It had a very small population. I was not a sports kid. I grew up pretty poor, like pretty poor in the sense that if I compare it to what my kids have today, it was a very different lifestyle. At the time we were, we were fed, we had a roof over our heads, we were clothed, like all of that stuff. But you know, my parents didn't have a lot of money when we were growing up and our lifestyle looked very, very different when we were going to events and outings and things like that. It was like, you had to walk to get there. There was no scheduled play dates. There wasn't stuff that my parents were doing. It wasn't all this extracurricular stuff. So, and it's because like, that's what they had. They had the means that they had and, you know, it wasn't a lot of, you know, the kind of over the top stuff I feel like we do nowadays as parents, you know, and I'm sure that generationally speaking, like if we compared, I was born in the eighties. I think most of us kind of lived that lifestyle. It was just a very simple life, you know, growing up. And for me, you know, I have always tried to give, you know, as we all do try to give my kids more than what I had, especially when it comes to, you know, growing up. However, however, I say this with a big grain of salt is they need to be respectful. It needs to be earned. And when somebody gifts you something that's very different than you showing respect in order to have something earned, um, because it's not the sense of entitlement. So we're going to dive in. I've created eight points. I want to get through all of these eight points for you. I feel like these are very good tips that I go through parenting with my kids on a continuous basis. First up on the list is number one. And I say this all the time, do your best, do your best. I parent in a very, I'm going to say organic way. It's constantly evolving. I don't know what the right way and the wrong way is to do things. I just know that when I see these little humans and they're running around, it's like, I kind of take a lot of the personal development stuff that I have and I sort of decompress it. So it goes into kid terms. Do your best. Guys, I know that my children are not going to be the next astronauts to space. And I say this because I feel like astronaut training, getting into the training program at NASA, it's like very elite people. 
and kudos, if they do amazing, love that for them. Do your best. Love that for them. But let's be realistic when it comes to being able to do certain things, right? Do certain things. Some of my kids and their French teacher is going to kill me for this. Probably they don't enjoy French. They really don't like they just, they don't love it. They don't love it. And that's okay. But here's the thing. My expectation for you is to do your best, whatever that looks like. I don't grill my kids about marks. I really don't. If my kids are, and I don't even know how they mark, like they don't mark it traditionally, like how we, like I did growing up, like you get an A, B or C, whatever, a 90 and 80, a 70, like whatever pass. My response always to my kids is that do your best and be proud of yourself of where you'd be like if you were walk away of it. If you can only get, and I'll say this, I say this a lot to my oldest. If you can only get, if you're like your mind mentally, like wherever you are, as hard as you can, like, and the most amount of studying that you can get, you are only able to get a 50%. And that is your absolute best. Like you would walk away from that and you would, you couldn't have done any better. You couldn't have done any better than that. And that's all you're able to get, get is a 50%, then that's your best. But if you're not, and you're able to pull off a 70 then that's the gauge that you need to know, right? Like you need to be able to gauge yourself and know where you're at and go through and do all of those things. I always feel like parenting from a way where I'm not protecting them. Like they're going to have to realize this. Like they're going to have to realize when they get a little bit older, that 50% is not going to get you the job, right? It's not going to get you the job. It's not going to get you the cut. It's not going to get you into certain schools. It's not going to get you the stuff. They need to start to understand what that means. So if that is your version of your absolute best, then you need to understand that failure is going to be a hard lesson for you if you really want something bad. It's not, I try to use it as a motivational way. I tend not to overreact to my kids where, you know, if they get a poor grade on something or if they get a great grade on something, it's the same level of enthusiasm. If that was your absolute best, then you should be really proud of yourself. But if it's not, and you could have done more then that is something that you need to go and have a conversation with yourself about. We need to start parenting. I feel like our kids in that way, because it helps them to be able to identify and understand you know, that when they are not able to get a hundred percent and it's not realistic, like it's just not realistic for everybody to be able to do everything amazingly. Like, it's just not like, sometimes you have to fail at things in order to be able to understand that you could have done better. You might need to work harder. You might need to train a little bit harder. So I'm very open-ended when it comes to that and trying to explain that to the kids. I feel that that might not be for everybody. It's where I, I try to really bring in some responsibility to a lot of the things that they have. And, you know, that's not to say that I don't get upset if, you know, they're doing something intentionally, but I feel like, you know, they're pretty mature about it. And, 
it puts on more responsibility to them where again, everything in moderation, obviously my parenting skills are a little bit different for my 10 year old versus my 15 year old, but it does make them more accountable for their actions. So I really like that. Do your best. Number one, number two, and this relates a lot into number one is don't walk away from something that you're going to regret tomorrow. I use this a lot when it comes to the kids with sports, like a lot when it comes to that, our kids are pressured so much. And I see this from so many parents that sit in hockey rinks, especially across the province. And man, I can tell you, I've been to a lot of rinks in my day. My oldest is a competitive athlete. He plays AAA hockey. And this is more for, I feel using this type of parenting technique, especially when you have your kids in competitive sports. And let's face it, when your kids are in competitive sports, there is a ton of pressure that is put on them more so than kids that are not in competitive sports. That's probably why marks tend to, I think, be a little bit more open-ended for me as a parent, because there's so much pressure that's put onto them in terms of athletic performance versus academic performance. Now, not to say I'm definitely not that person and or parent that will expect, you know, accept a 50% grade or a failing, you know, mark or a substandard, you know, effort from them. But if that's all you've got, that's all you've got. It's more of a coaching perspective that I give it from them. I always tell the kids, there is nothing, right? And when I say this like pregame, it's a pregame parenting coaching. And guys, I run a lot of coaching in the car with my kids prior to them getting onto a gymnastics floor or them onto the ice pregame. And I'll always say to them, there's literally nothing nothing in this car in this particular moment, right? My kids are packed up in the car. We were just at a hockey tournament last weekend. And I would say this a lot. I say this a lot to my son who's about to step out. And the weekend prior to that, I was actually at a gymnastics competition with my daughter. So it's been a busy couple of weekends. So sitting in the car and tends to be the same type of content that I will cover. Nothing you're going to learn no new skill sets in the next hour, 45 minutes as we sit in this car. Like it's, you're not going to learn anything. You already have everything that you can do so far. So when you step out onto that gymnastics floor, when you step out onto the ice, when you step up, you make sure that you are showing up a hundred percent and being the best version as an athlete as you possibly can. Don't regret something, like don't leave something there. Put it all in. Give it all that you have in that particular game, in that particular session that you have for a competition. That's what it takes to be a competitive athlete. To be a competitive athlete really takes discipline and making sure that you understand that there's nothing new that you're going to be able, there's no new skill set that you're going to learn in the minutes before a game or the minutes or hours or whatever it is before a competition. It's all upstairs mentally. And I think if you can get into your kid's head, you know, sort of coaching them that way and being able to explain to them that it's okay to do that. It's okay to fail when you're out there. It's okay to miss that shot. It's okay to miss that, you know, stance that, you know, perfect backflip, you know, whatever it is, especially when it comes to, 
you know, my daughter pointed toes, you know, hands, finger, like whatever it is, whatever they're marking on it in gymnastics, it's okay to do that. Just make sure that you don't leave anything in that table or on the table of regret. I always feel like when you can coach that and talk about that with the kids, it's gives them a little bit more of a perspective of being able to understand that it's okay to mess up when you're out there. Just don't have any regrets leaving and waking up tomorrow thinking you could have done a better job. That's a big one for them. So that's number two. So number three is, this is a good one for parents. It's eat your greens. Oh my gosh. If I can tell my kids to eat more greens, more spinach, more broccoli, more green beans, whatever it is, jam some greens down their little mouths. And I say this and my kids have almost become really disciplined in the fact where they'll ask for certain things. Like they'll ask for a lot of greens because I just feel like it's a really good way to, you know, get it into them. So eating your greens is beneficial for everybody. It's especially beneficial for our kids. So making sure that I can't even understand parents that don't, you know, give their, like the kids that don't eat fruits and vegetables. Like I, what is that? What is that? Like you guys need to, like these kids need to be able to eat their greens. I was literally just had dinner with my son and he was leaving some greens on the thing. And I'm like, guys, like, where are you at? You got to eat that. You got to eat that. It's not just about, you know, the potatoes and the chicken. It's also about the greens. So get it in you. It's what's good food is for. So make sure that your kids are eating greens. Make sure that they're having like a healthy, nutritious, balanced diet. I know it's really easy sometimes. Um, my kids will fall into it too. I mean, if they were living in, at wills to their own, they would literally survive off of chicken fingers and pizza. That's what they would do. So I'm always trying to sneak some greens into them. A really good one is like banana, spinach, put some peanut butter in that. Yes, some almond milk, oat milk, whatever that looks like. Blend it all up or regular old milk. And um, it tastes like a peanut butter banana smoothie. It looks green, yes, but tastes delicious. So put some greens into your smoothies and make sure that the kids are eating that. And it's really important for them to understand that greens are important. It gives you a really healthy, balanced, nutritious diet. And also too, chicken fingers and pizza are not the best way for long-term survival. So it's not to say that my kids don't eat that because they do. It's just that if I can give them a little bit more greens, um, yeah, go for it. Number four is respect your mentors, coaches, and more importantly, your elders. I think this, this was something that my grandfather always instilled in me and my brother when we were kids. We were always told, always told, if you were sitting in a room and you're sitting down like on a couch, like a couch or a sofa or a chair, whatever it is, like you have a, there's a gathering and there's a bunch of um, adults that are in the room and you're a child and you're sitting down on a piece of furniture. My grandfather always taught us to get up and let the adults sit down. Same thing if you're on a, like a public transportation and it's always stuck with me so much. I instill this in my kids, meaning that if we go over to somebody else's house and there's not available seat option and one of my kids are on the couch, you better be darn sure that they're going to get up and make sure that an adult or at least offer like the offer the adult the seat because I feel like it's the most respectful thing to do. And it's just, it's lovely like to see kids that have manners that way. So 
coaches and mentors, and I'm going to put teachers into that category as well, making sure that my kids are respectful to all of those people, because all of those people, the teachers, their mentors, their coaches, all have an active role that plays in bringing them up. So I would expect no less for my kids to be respectful to the people the same way that they respect their parents. Do they have mistakes and mess ups? A thousand percent they do. These are not a delusional parent, but I also believe too that, you know, they can do that at home and yeah, they could get frustrated if they're talking to a coach. They might be a little sad, a little angry, a little <laughs> upset. That's okay. They got to circle back and they could come back. And if my kids are needing to make an apology to somebody, then I definitely make sure that that gets done as well. Especially if it comes to, um, them messing up and, you know, maybe saying things that they shouldn't have said. And it doesn't happen very often. It's like, I can count on my hand how many times that that has happened with kids, but yeah, for sure. I feel like being respectful to your elders. Oh my gosh. It's such an important thing to do. And that's how I feel like to effectively raise a great human being is like, you need to be able to teach them to be no different if I was walking through and I saw my parents and making sure that I'm respectful and like those people have so much more knowledge than what I do. And like, uh, just, yeah, be respectful. I mean, get up, make sure that your butt is off that chair. If my, if my aunt walks in the room and you're sitting down, there's no other seat for her to sit on. She's 80 years old. You better make sure that you're getting off the chair. I don't even have to say the words. I just look at you. I do like the mom laser look and they know and that's what triggers them. All right, guys, that's went through one through four. Doing your best was number one. Number two was don't walk away from something that you're going to regret tomorrow. Number three was eat your greens. And number four was respect your mentors, your coaches, and more importantly, your elders. All right, guys, we're going to take a short break, but we're going to come back and go through five through eight about how to raise good humans and how I encourage my kids to become the best version of themselves. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 94, raising good humans and how I encourage my kids to become the best versions of themselves. Guys, I have eight points. We're going through four through eight on the second part of this podcast, which for me is my reasons on people ask me a lot how my kids are so great. Like, what did I do? I want to break down a couple of tips of the things that I do. I feel like what I do is pretty normal. Um, I'm sure you guys all have different parts and pieces of, you know, different types of encouragement that you have. I'm always like open for parenting and like learning and you know what it takes. I am a single mom. I parent these kids with my ex from a different house. It's a little bit different because like my kids don't all live under one roof at the moment. That makes it super challenging because parenting has got to be done in a whole bunch of different ways, especially when it comes to, um, being like interrupted, right? Like we're interrupted. So I'm like, I got to get on the phone. I got it. My kids, so my kids all have phones. I know that that's something that a lot of parents might not necessarily agree to because I have a 10 year old of kids that are range from 10, a 12 year old and a 15 year old. For me, I have to give them phones because I wouldn't be able to communicate to them in any other way effectively. So yes, they are on another question I get asked as well is, are my kids on social? They are all three of them are. 
And here's the thing is that everything in moderation, it's monitored with them. I feel like we do our very best trying to track them. I'm going to also say too, a lot of the older ones, the older ones will maintain what the little ones are doing too. So it's a trust factor with them. That's how I look. And they're definitely penalized for something that is not within our standard. So that's just my way of doing things. I debated the whole social thing for a very long time. I think with my oldest, I had a harder time with it versus than what I do with the younger ones. It also depends kid to kid. So I think that my oldest is super mature, like very responsible. And, um, I don't worry a lot about that stuff with him in particular, because he's just, honestly, I feel like some days he's a bit of an old soul. So I don't tend to worry about a lot of those things, but there has been things that have popped up over the history of his childhood. And, um, I think that when your kids are on social, you have to sort of decide where your boundaries are with parents. So those are my boundaries. And yes, my kids have goofed up a couple of times, <laughs> worked it through. We've had lots of conversations, sat down. And a lot of the times too, like I'm constantly talking to my kids about screen time, screen time. Like, let's just talk. This is not even a point that's on my list. I haven't even got into the four to eight points, but screen time is a huge conversation that I have with my kids all the time. The amount of screen time that these kids have, there's a really, really good reference to, um, it's in a book. And I feel that giving them a device and having them on a screen, whether or not they be on social or not, that they have access to a smartphone. So they have access to a piece of technology. It doesn't even have to be a smartphone. This is like with video games, like video games that are communicate, like a smart game where they're communicating like you, people that have an iPad in front of them versus an online game where you're gaming with friends. Like that is so different than the childhood that I grew up in the eighties, nineties playing Super Mario Brothers on a Nintendo with my friend over at my house. And then we lose the game and then we get up and leave and we go to the park. Like it's not the same platform when you're gaming in your bedroom playing, I'm gonna say Fortnite because Fortnite is such a popular game. I mean, it has been, or Call of Duty, like any of these online games, right, that they play. It is one of those things that will steal the childhood from your children. I know that I can't avoid it. Like the kids are there, they have it, but everything needs to be monitored like so much with them, especially when it comes to that stuff. So yeah, they do use it. Um, again, my kids have a pretty active lifestyle. Like my kids play a lot of sports. So a lot of times that when they are on screen time, which they are sort of trumps the time that they're not because they're doing other things They're either at practice or they're playing competitively at a sport. It's not the perfect solution, but it's the solution that works for me and my kids and my family. But I have had many conversation about the amount of screen time that they've had with them or been on their devices. And a lot of times too, yeah. Do I take away their devices? All the time. It's an all the time situation. Like if you don't do your chores, you don't do the things that are on your list, you a thousand percent are going to get the device removed. So just make sure, or like if there's attitude or anything like that, yeah, a thousand percent, you're going to get that device removed. Okay. So number five is, this is a big one for me, my kids. It's a big one for me, especially over the past like five years. 
it is finding value and experiences, not just materialistic things. My kids are big travelers. Love when my kids are traveling. I love to be able to give my kids a travel opportunity. It generally happens at least once a year. You know, sometimes if they're lucky, they get to go on another trip, but they love that style in order to do those trips financially speaking, right? Financially speaking, if they want to be able to do those trips, they have to understand that it's not just about thing, like other things that they can get. So it's like, they have to understand the value that you're putting forth as a parent. So meaning that like, if I'm out traveling and I'm doing all these things like that airplane ticket, the travel to the hotel, like it, it's more for me, I find is it's more valuable as a parent to be able to give my kids those things than what it is to have something that's of materialistic value. That's just for me personally. A lot of people will ask, you know, how are you able to travel with the kids and do all that? And it's because I make it happen. It's because that is a thing that I need to make happen for the kids And I love being able to travel with them and we just make it work because we, I, I, myself and the kids, I found just like, it's like more core memories. Like it's the stuff that's what they're going to remember. I will guarantee you that they will remember a trip to Costa Rica far more than they're going to remember 2000. I bet you, if you asked any, any of my kids what they got for 2017 Christmas, they wouldn't be able to tell you. I mean, if they did, it would, they would not be able to tell you those things, but you ask them about the time that they went to Costa Rica or the time that they flew to Finland or the time that they went to a different, the time that they went to Scotland, they'll be able to tell you a story that went along with it. For me, I see value with that as a parent and I'll continue to parent my kids that way, being able to give them exposure to that. I also feel like too, this is another important thing. I grew up in a different country, so I see value in being able to go back and forth to countries versus other parents that didn't. So for me, this one comes from like a, like it's a deeply rooted memory for me because I was constantly flying back and forth from Scotland to Canada when I was a kid. And I can't have, um, dual citizenship to both countries. So I just feel like with the kids and being, having been exposing them to that, I feel like it's a huge opportunity for growth. It's a huge opportunity for learning. And the kids have kind of caught a little bit of that travel bug too, especially with my daughter, especially my middle daughter. Campbell loves traveling. She loves Costa Rica. She loves surfing. And that for me is, and I think when I had her on the podcast, like earlier this year, we went through, we did an interview with Campbell. And one of the questions I asked her was, you know, what I think was something like what she loved to do the most. And I did not know what she was going to answer because they were very impromptu questions. And She answered surfing and I love that for her. Like it was just like, ah, like that's the moment of like pure joy. Okay, so number six is taking care of yourself, your belongings and your general area. And I say this to my kids, Mike, if my kids are listening right now, it's not a chore, it's a life skill. And knowledge on that will make you a better person. Here is the thing. When you are tidying up the stuff that you just left at your butt, and as my kids do, like they walk in the house and they like dropping everything at the front door or the back door or whatever. And I like, I got to come down every once in a while. And I'm like, Hey, all this stuff, that's not a chore. Like picking up that stuff is not a chore. That is a life skill because if you did that and you were living with a roommate in college, you probably would be like ejected from the big brother house. So 
Chores are different than what a life skill is. A life skill is something that you're doing because it's making your life a little bit easier. So that means like tidying up after yourself. Like if you take a dish out, you leave it in the sink, it needs to go into the dishwasher. That is not a chore. It's not a chore because I'm asking you to pick up the dish that you took out. So I define life skills and chores very differently. Making sure that you're taking care of yourself. So like hygiene, guys, I got some teenagers and like hygiene is an important conversation that I got to have all the time with the kids, like shower, clean yourself with my kids. I do their laundry. Like I still, I don't, I do not, I will say that like loosely, I will clean their room. Okay. So like I will clean the room, like sanitize their bathroom. I don't expect my kids to clean toilets and scrub and do all that stuff. I like, they're just too busy for that. And plus two, I'm like OCD parent where I need to like make sure that's done. However, I do expect them to do other things around. So that means like wiping down the counter of the bathroom, right? I don't expect them to like deep clean the bathroom. I expect them to wipe down the counter if they make a mess of it. I expect them to do that like once a week or whenever it is messy. I will do all of the laundry for the kids and they need to come and pick up their laundry and put it away. I don't put away my kids' laundry. They're old enough and big enough to be able to do that on their own. I will go grocery shopping. I'll meal prep for them. If they take out, like all that stuff is done and it's like prepped for them, that means that when you eat it, when you're eating it, take out a plate and you're eating it on that plate, you're gonna take it and you're gonna put it on and into the dishwasher. My youngest is the worst for that. She is the absolute worst. I gotta constantly remind her all the time to put her dish into the dishwasher and it's a constant coaching thing with her in particular. My oldest, absolute best of it. And I feel like that is because he's got a solid four and a half years of training that's in. So he's just like programmed to do those things. It is a life skill. It's not a chore. Chores are things that you do on the weekends when you're not, you know, at school and stuff like that. But it's a big thing. It's a big coaching thing to be able to walk through um, with them and being able to identify that when you take care of your belongings, when you have respect for that, um, it's different than them to be, you know, like, oh, it's like all chores all the time. No, it's like, that's not a chore. That's a life skill because you've left your bag. Like emptying out your lunch kit when you come home from school you didn't make your lunch to put in there. Your parent did. You can empty out the garbage that's left behind. You can do that when you get home from school. These are effective things that are make our kids to feel more responsible and engaged. And I can't imagine kids that are brought up in an environment where they don't have any of those things that are programmed into them because I don't know what you do when you go to college and university. My oldest sometimes has been living like he's boarded. He's lived off base at home. So he's lived on campus and from a very young age, he had to be very, very responsible, maybe arguably too young of an age, but you know, at the same time, like you can see now, like he's groomed so differently than what my youngest is because he's had to be able to, you know, understand that like he has to fend for himself in some ways. Do I want my, my kids doing their law? No, I don't like, I still want to mom them to a bit, but I want them to understand responsibility and being able to understand that when they have something gifted to them, right? When somebody invests, you know, money or whatever, then to take care of those things. That means like when you ride your bike home from school and you know, and it, it, it doesn't matter. There isn't like a monetary value to it, but like it's taking care of the stuff, putting it away, putting it in its right home, constant coaching thing. 
Um, definitely notice a huge difference from my oldest to my youngest. Um, but I do think it's because Jackson has spent a long time living out of home and he's also had to, um, fend for himself a lot more than what my youngest is. I also just feel like that's like the little one, like the youngest one of the third, third child is definitely always the wild child. So number seven, number seven. And I love this one is read more books. I'm always encouraging the kids to read books, read, 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 read some books, read some more books. What kind of books? My kids ask me for books. I'm like, yes, I will buy you books. I have no problem with investing in books. In fact, I feel like my youngest, the little one is such an avid book reader. She loves reading books. She loves reading big books. And I love that because we read a lot at night. If you were in the car with me, I listen to a lot of audiobooks because I have got to do a lot of driving back and forth. So I can crush out normally like at least a book a week, if not more. And, um, Jackson knows like if we're in the car, we're like listening to an audiobook, and, and sometimes he gets into them. Sometimes he, you know, he's little, like he's still a teenager, but, um, yeah, that's what we do. Like read more books, read some books, read more books. If you live in my house and you're a child and you're asking for a book, I got no problem with buying you books. Okay. Lastly is number eight. And I love this is know that you are loved. And no matter what, the world needs your version of you. I think that this is so important. I always teach my kids to be uniquely their own version of whatever that is. You know, meaning that there is no normal. There is no normal to define what it means to be a Jackson or to be a Campbell or to be a Matilda. What it means is that if they are uniquely themselves, that's what the world needs. The world needs to see them as unique as what they are and to be so confident behind that. If there's one piece of advice that I could give my kids is that if I had the amount of confidence that I do now is what I did when I was their age, it would be a completely different, quicker evolution of Amanda to where she is today. I feel that we need to encourage that, encourage it in a way where, you know, it's normal to be whatever version of normal that you are, you know, like there is no, there is no perfection. There is no one way, one, you know, boxed way for kids to act and behave. And you can see that. And I think that COVID has really like allowed us to have this evolution, especially when it comes to like online learning and knowing where you are and knowing how and what, you know, the world expects of you. You know, it's, we don't have a very traditional, you know, lifestyle when it comes like I'm divorced. I'm a single mom raising kids and it challenges me in ways where like now I need to do a different type of parenting, you know, versus what I did when I lived in a house and we were traditionally like when I was married, I was married for with my partner for almost like 18 years. So when I lived in the house and we were all together and raising kids, it was a very different way to approach parenting versus what it is now being like a single mom parenting kids in a way that still tries to be, you know, as effective as possible. I think communication is number one when it comes to that and always having open channels with the kids making sure that they understand that they're so loved, so loved, and no matter what, the world needs their version of them. 
Guys, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I love sharing all the parenting tips and tricks and things that I have. And guys, like what works for me might not work for y'all. Like it's just, I have three kids. I often recur refer to my kids as dysfunctionally weird and normal. And I am dysfunctionally weird and normal as well. Just like them, there is no right. Like we are just living our lives, our best lives, and we're doing the best that we can. Sometimes we mess up, sometimes we don't, sometimes we're great, sometimes we're not so great. We're just figuring it all out. And like I said, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of being able to identify that, you know, you are doing the best that you possibly can. And I think above all else is that knowing that the kids know that they're so loved, I think that they understand that our expectations for them as kids are like to allow, like our job is to like, they're like these little flowers that we're trying to raise and grow and, you know, we're just doing the best job that we can. And I know that the skills that I have are greater than what my parents had. And I hope that they're able to leave, you know, our house, hopefully eventually, it's gonna be sooner than later. Like, it's so sad when I think about how many summers left I have with my kids, like really not that many. So time matters, time counts. And I just love that being able to be like an open parent where they feel like it's a safe place to come and talk and, know that they have a mom that respects them, cares about them, loves them so deeply and hard. Like it's just hopefully able to allow them to show up to become the best version of them. Guys, I love this little poem. I want to share it with you. And it feels like for me, it just connects so deeply as a mom. And it's something that I repeat to myself, not necessarily to my kids, but I just read it often to remind me about parenting and just the joys of motherhood and how amazing it is and yet how short the time is. So here we go. It's a poem and it's by Rebecca Pug. Remember when you go into the world to keep your eyes and your ears wide open and be kind. Love one another. Take care of each other. Tell the truth. Always do your best. Listen to the big people and the little people. Explore new paths and have fun. And know that you are loved like crazy. Give thanks for all of your blessings. And above all else, love. And you will do wonderful things in this world. Guys, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I love sharing all the parenting tips and tricks and things that I have. And guys, like what works for me might not work for y'all. Like it's just, I have three kids. I often recur refer to my kids as dysfunctionally weird and normal. And I am dysfunctionally weird and normal as well. Just like them, there is no right. Like we are just living our lives, our best lives, and we're doing the best that we can. Sometimes we mess up, sometimes we don't, sometimes we're great, sometimes we're not so great. 
We're just figuring it all out. And like I said, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of being able to identify that, you know, you are doing the best that you possibly can. And I think above all else is that knowing that the kids know that they're so loved, I think that they understand that our expectations for them as kids are like to allow, like our job is to like, they're like these little flowers that we're trying to raise and grow and, you know, we're just doing the best job that we can. And I know that the skills that I have are greater than what my parents had. And I hope that they're able to leave, you know, our house, hopefully eventually, it's gonna be sooner than later. Like, it's so sad when I think about how many summers left I have with my kids, like really not that many. So time matters, time counts. And I just love that being able to be like an open parent where they feel like it's a safe place to come and talk and, know that they have a mom that respects them, cares about them, loves them so deeply and hard. Like it's just hopefully able to allow them to show up to become the best version of them. Guys, I love this little poem. I want to share it with you. And it feels like for me, it just connects so deeply as a mom. And it's something that I repeat to myself, not necessarily to my kids, but I just read it often to remind me about parenting and just the joys of motherhood and how amazing it is and yet how short the time is. So here we go. It's a poem and it's by Rebecca Pug. Remember when you go into the world Keep your eyes and your ears wide open and be kind. Love one another. Take care of each other. Tell the truth. Always do your best. Listen to the big people and the little people. Explore new paths and have fun. And know that you are loved like crazy. Give thanks for all of your blessings. And above all else, love and you will do wonderful things in this world. <laughs>